Okay, uh, who likes 70s music? Come on. Come on. See, that was my time. I graduated from Charles B. Acock High School, 1974. I looked like a redheaded Elvis Presley. I was ready. I was ready. And uh, had my uh, leisure suits with collars that came out to here. Who knows what I'm talking about? Wind getting that thing, you'd be coming off the ground, baby. Platform shoes, come on. Pants too short, platform shoes. I don't know who thought of that style, but they had to have been on the doobie. I'm just saying. Not that I ever did that. I'm just saying. Somebody went, man, that looks good. And the rest of us went, okay. Um, how many of y'all remember Jim Croce? Y'all remember Jim? Um, man, I loved him. Loved Jim Croce. He, he'd make me cry. Operator, let me make this call. Y'all remember? You like, you're, you're like going, not like that, I don't. I don't remember it like that. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read the words to a song he wrote and sung. I guess he wrote it. And uh, at the end, I want all the women to go, aw. If the men go, aw, that just ain't right. So you men don't say nothing. <clears throat> How many of y'all remember this one? If I could save time in a bottle. The first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Oh, man. Uh, he was a heavy drinker. Okay. If I, if I could make days last forever, if words could make wishes come true, I'd save every day like a treasure and then again. I would spend them with you. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. I've looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with. If I had a box just for wishes and dreams that had never come true, the box would be empty except for the memory of how they were answered by you. Wow, wow. Old Jim was having a good day when he came up with that song, wasn't he? <laughs> um, all about time, all about wishing he could save time, but time moves, doesn't it? Time just moves on. Nothing can stop time. Uh, when you leave this service today, you'll be older than you were when you came in. Time just moves. It just passes. No one can, can stop it. Uh, some of you, how many of y'all, uh, young? I know we got a real young congregation here. How many of y'all never heard of Jim? Jim, okay, we got some people like that. All right, whatever that was. Um, how about this song to get a little bit more up to date here? Here's the words of this song. You'll recognize it. He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me. And a moment came that stopped me on a dime. 
I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him, when it sank in, that this might really be the real end, how's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? He said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named. Y'all need to get saved. I put some hymn out there, you'd went, I don't know what that. Listen to this. Listen to this. And I love deeper. I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year I lost my dad. I finally read the good book. And I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again by that great gospel singer, Tim McGraw. <laughs> As a pastor, I'm constantly asking myself, why does the church, born in the book of Acts chapter 2, why does the church exist? And then I bring it down into my backyard and say, why does the church I serve exist? Why does the bridge Exist. I want to be straight up with you today, and I know we have a lot of guests with us. But when I think about the many purposes of the church, and then I think about the purposes of other institutions, schools are to educate, um, you know, banks are to help you take care of your money. I think about hospitals and doctors and their purpose of bringing physical healing. I think about counselors to help you with the challenges of life restaurants and what they serve and how they serve us and I think about department stores and clothing stores and grocery stores and they all have a purpose but you know in your community is not only all of those things but there are churches churches what's the job of the church what's the purpose of the church I believe that one of the primary purposes of the bridge of any church is to challenge people in a loving way to think about two things. How they're living this life. How they're living this life on the earth. 
How are you investing your time? What are you doing with the opportunities and the time and the resources God has put in your hand? I believe that's the responsibility of the church. I think the second thing that the church is responsible for in the community is to challenge you to think about what's going to happen when you die. What's going to happen when you die? To challenge you to understand that there is an eternity. And every person is going to live forever somewhere. It is the job of the church. Now, I know that churches have become politically correct today, and they don't preach the things they used to preach and teach the things they used to teach. And, and uh, we have gotten so politically correct, and, and as a church, we've gotten so uh, um, to a place where we don't want to say anything that offends anybody that many churches have ended up not telling people the truth, but telling people what they want to hear. I want to tell you that I love you enough. The staff of this church loves you enough. The church elders of this church, the owners, we call our members owners here because owners have responsibilities, members have rights. The owners of this church and the attendees of this church love you enough that they have set as a core value that the infallible and errant word of God be declared in this house without compromise. And that it be declared with tears. That it be declared with compassion. That it be declared in love. So, in this sermon series, we are here to challenge you to think about how you're spending this life. It's very brief, very short on this earth. Even if you live the maximum years, it's still a very, very, very brief time when you compare it to eternity. So we're here to challenge you. We're here to get you to think about it. And you may walk out today and go, you know what, I hear you. I'm not ready to do anything yet. I'm not ready to make a move yet. That's fine. That's fine. We just want to get you to think about how you're spending what God has given you in this life and get you to think about eternity. As a matter of fact, let me say that if you're in your journey um, and you're just looking, you might be considering different religions, different systems of belief. You might say, I haven't even decided if I believe the Bible, and I don't even know if I believe the claims of Jesus. I'm not there yet, preacher. Not there yet, pastor. That's fine. That's fine. Wherever you are on your journey, we want to meet you there. We want to meet you there. And I want to encourage you. Pastor Andy pointed it out earlier, right over here, behind this camera. It says, belong, commit, grow, serve. is a packet of information that if you're searching, if you're trying to find out who God is, we want you to pick that up. Now, if somebody goes over there to that table and picks it up, don't judge them. They might be picking it up for a friend. Okay? So as we dismiss this service in a little while, we just encourage you to go over there and pick that up and take it with you. And um, I, I tell you what Jesus promised. He promised Pilate because Pilate didn't know who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, Pilate, when Jesus was being judged... Uh, right before the crucifixion, Pilate was trying to figure out who Jesus was, and he asked Jesus a lot of questions, and here's what Jesus said to Pilate. It was a promise to Pilate, but ladies and gentlemen, 
How, how many of you know when God makes a promise to one person, he's making that promise to all of us? He said to Pilate, he said, Pilate, any person who wants to know me, I will show myself to him. Any person who wants to know me, Pilate, even if that person comes to me and goes, I don't know if I even believe you exist, but if you're out there, he says, I'll, I'll speak to that person. I'll show that person who I am. So we hope you'll ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Let's go to the Bible. How many of y'all think that's a pretty good book to go to? Amen. Good Bible uh, verse here. Let's look at this. Psalm 39, 4 through 7. Now, um, let me just set this up. Let me just set this up. David, if you back up to Psalm 38, David was very, very, very sick, and David thought he was going to die. Now, that's really about all we know. We don't know the details of his sickness. But in Psalm 38, it's obvious that he is sick, and we believe this carries over into Psalm 39. Look what he says. Eternal one, God, let me understand my end. Let me understand my end. And let me understand how brief my earthly existence is. Help me realize my life is fleeting. Let's go to the next verses. You have determined the length of my days, and my life is nothing compared to you. And what he means by that is my life on earth is nothing compared to you, eternity, nothing. Even the longest life is only a breath. Next slide. He says we can't even know who will end up with those things. Go to the next slide. In light of all this, Lord, what am I really waiting for? You are my hope. You are my hope. Um, I'm not a, I, I don't want to be a, a, a downer today. I'm not here to be a prophet of doom. But the fact of life is we don't know what today holds for us. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us or next week or next month. It could be the best thing that's ever happened to you or it could be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I remember the first time I ever heard a doctor say to me, Farrell Hardison, you have cancer. You have cancer and we've got to do radical surgery on you um, as soon as we can. I remember, the, I remember that. I remember those days. I remember the days in the hospital. I remember going to my doctor, Dr. Cheryl Glover, who is an a, a owner here, a member of our church, and is also serves on our church board. He looked into my eye and saw something that didn't look right. He sent me to a specialist in Raleigh, and that doctor looked in my eye, and he said, Farrell, you have a, a cancerous tumor in your eye. So that was the second time that I had heard cancer. We don't know. When you, I, I just went for a regular checkup. Both times I went to the doctor, they were just for a regular checkup. Here's my point. Here's my point. My point is not to say, brace yourself, something bad's going to happen to you. I'm not saying that today. I'm just saying we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. 
When my wife Millie was 11 years old, her mother fell down one day and they didn't know what was going on and I said, kind of teased her about it, you know. And, and as days passed by, Millie's mom, 46 years old, Miss Viola Hare, uh, before she married Millie's dad, uh, Viola Dahl, um, she just got weaker and weaker. They took, took her to the doctor, and she had um, Lou Gehrig's disease. Millie was 11. And uh, they told her she probably wouldn't live another year and a half, two years. She lived four more years. And she was 15, Millie was 15, um, when Miss Fowler passed away. Millie waited on her mom. I don't know how many of you know about this disease. I don't know if you know how it affects you. They've, they've come a long way in how to help people have as a much better quality of life than Millie's mom had back then. They just got a lot more technology now. But it was terrible. She couldn't speak. She loved her yard. She loved her yard. And Millie and I talked about this last night and cried. I never met Miss Viola. But I got a feeling that I married somebody just like her. And Millie and I just sat there last night and cried and talked about her mom. And she said her mom's head would go back and she couldn't pull it back up and they would have to help her get her head back up. And They had to buy a machine to keep the saliva out of her mouth because she couldn't hold her mouth closed and keep it in her mouth and swallow like the rest of us do. But she loved her yard. She loved her yard. Millie said she couldn't talk, but she could write a note. She said, and after she wrote it, she, if she wanted me to, Millie said, if she wanted me to do it right then, she would go. We don't know what's going to happen. I want you to look at a video this morning of a man who has this disease. Um, he didn't know it was coming. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. I want you to just listen to what he says. Listen to this. And then in February and March of 2005, I was diagnosed with ALS. And literally August, or that time you could say is one life. And then since I was diagnosed with ALS, is a completely different life. My dreams before I got sick with ALS um, included, you know, being able to provide for my family, uh, walking my daughters down the aisle, um, seeing my kids grow up, um, owning a, a fancy Mustang. Um, you know, I had some material dreams um, since. The, January of 07, I've lost the ability to feed myself, clothe myself, bathe myself. Um, you really can't say, you know what, this day I lost this or this day I lost, because it's kind of gradual. You lose it and then you can try to do it, but then one day you just wake up and 
your body won't allow you to do that. So I pretty much consider it a quadriplegic now. I'm completely dependent on everybody for everything. A young man. That, that's not going to happen to most of you here today. I'm not even implying anything like that's going to happen to you. What I want you to think about is the fact that you don't know. You don't know when you're going to lose something. You don't know when you're going to lose somebody. You don't know when news is coming that you're not expecting. Here's what we're doing in this series. We want you to evaluate. Evaluate your life. Evaluate how you're living your life. Evaluate how maybe you're wasting your life. And let's consider what it would be like if we knew, if we knew for a fact that in 30 days we'd be gone. Look what the Bible says in the book of James. We were in the Old Testament. Let's go over to the New Testament. James 4, 13 through 17. We'll stay there for one year while our business explodes. Let's back up to, uh, um, let me read some other scripture that's not up here. He says, listen carefully, those of you who make your plans and say we are traveling to this city in the next few days. We'll stay here for one year while our business explodes and revenue is up. Now look at verse 14. Is that it? Okay, all right. The reality is you have no idea where your life will take you. Now this is the word of God. This isn't Pastor Farrell. He says the reality is you have no idea where your life will take you tomorrow. You are like a mist. That appears one moment and then vanishes another. This is the Word of God telling us how our life, what our life is like. All of us, every one of us. Next slide. It would be best if you said it this way. If it is the Lord's will and we live long enough, then we hope to do this project or pursue that dream. Go to the last slide. But your current speech indicates what? An arrogance that does not acknowledge the one who controls the universe. And this kind of big talking is the epitome of what? Oh, evil. Let's look one more slide. One more. So if you know the right way to live, So if you know the right way to live and ignore it, what is it? Plain and simple. Our sermon today is, is different. Um, it's going to be a little shorter than usual. That is different, isn't it? Because I want us to have time to come to the altar. Now, let me tell you about coming to the altar at our church. Nobody's going nobody's to grab you. Nobody's going to push you down. Nobody's going to do anything like that at all. But there's something about standing up and walking forward that says to God, I want to know more about you. If you're up there, 
if you love me, if what this church called the bridge preaches is true, then I want to know that. I want you to help me know that because I don't want to miss the truth. But see, here's what happens a lot of times. You see, um, you see people who claim to be Christians that are angry and judgmental and hateful. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I know them too. Amen? And that's made you... That's made you go, you know what, if that's church, if that's God, if that's what the Bible teaches, I don't need it in my life. Can I tell you that that's not God, and that's not the church, and that's not what the Bible teaches. There are just some Christians who are weak in their walk. And i got to tell you where that weakness comes from. It usually comes from ignorance about the grace of God. But we've come to understand not everything, but a lot about the grace of God in this church. That's why I can stand up here today and tell you without reservation that he loves you. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've wasted your life. I don't care what's in your past. He doesn't see you for what you are. He sees you for what he can make out of you if you will give your life to him. Now we're going to look at the last video of this, of this gentleman who has this disease. And I want you to listen very, very carefully to what he says. I know it's a little bit hard to understand his words because of the disease, but try to focus in on what he's saying because it's very, very powerful. And then we're going to come to the altar and we're going to pray together. Okay? Thank you. Um, for the next 30 days, I would want my spiritual life to be one that people can look upon and say, there is somebody who believed God, believed that he knew God was doing what was best for him. There is somebody whose family knows they're loved because, not only because I love them, but because God loves them because I have shown them how to love and how to love God. And I hope that um, people can see that when they meet me. Since I was diagnosed, I had a lot of regrets. Um, I wish that, um, I regret that uh, I, there are times where I felt like, oh, I know like I could have been a better husband. Um, instead, I was a very selfish person. Um, I regret being, you know, always thinking of myself first um, instead of my wife and my kids sometimes uh, when it came to work. Um, there's no job, if I were to get healthy today, there's no job, no amount of money that would keep me from my family like I used to stay away. There's no sporting event that would keep me away from my family. Um, that's probably my biggest regret. 
at whatever campus you're at, don't look at life as a series of hardships over finances. Look at life as how can I take one step today to be closer to God than I was yesterday. think there is anything that I haven't already told you. Um, I love you. I know you love me. Um, my biggest regret is that this illness has caused a lot of emotional pain for you. But I do know that we have grown as a couple and that I love you and that I hope one day, even after I'm gone, you can find somebody who loves you as, as much as I do now. And yes, you can use this. Would you stand with me? We just walk up here. Everybody just walk up here. <laughs> You know, I um, I was almost born a Christian. <laughs> I, uh, I was born to a mom who loved Jesus and then later a dad who loved Jesus. And at seven years old, I understood the cross and the resurrection. And at seven years old, I understood I was lost and needed Jesus. And I asked him to come in my life when I was seven years old. But I got to tell you, in preparing for this sermon series, I realized I'm not living my life in a lot of areas the way I ought to be living it. And I want you to just right now, if you will, just bow your head. And I want to ask you to think, is there, is there somebody you need to get right with? Are you being stubborn in your marriage and you won't forgive her and she won't forgive you and it's like a cold war around your house all the time? What if suddenly they were just gone? I mean, is that the way you want to leave it? What about you kids out there? Your mom and dad who just aggravate the daylights out of you because they will tell you no when you want to hear yes. What if all of a sudden you didn't have to hear him say anything anymore? Is that how you want to leave it? 
You got a family member you don't speak to? You got a sin you got hidden away you haven't repented of? You've been putting off coming to Jesus. You've been hearing Jesus call you. But you're like, man, I'm not ready. It's no fun being a Christian. I want to sow my wild oats. I mean, one day, preacher, you know, one day, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle in. But I know if I give my heart to Jesus right now, I mean, I'm going to miss out. See, that's the enemy. You're not going to miss out on anything. As a matter of fact, your life is going to be enhanced. It's going to be better. Just right now, if you've been running from Jesus, just right there where you are, nobody's going to grab you. Nobody's going nobody's to, you know, do anything. Just say, Jesus, I'm not going to run anymore from you, sir. I don't know if I've got 30 seconds left, much less 30 days. A friend of mine in Smithfield was standing in the pulpit preaching one Sunday. He died right there. Died in the pulpit. Went right down to the ground. I don't know if I got 30 seconds. Hey, you don't either. You don't know. You don't know. You say, well, I don't think anything bad's going to happen to me. Okay. How about somebody you love? You ready to leave everything just like you got it with everybody? You ready to leave it right now and you're satisfied? And, or do you need to get some stuff worked out? Some of you wives and husbands, you're so prideful. You speak hateful and cutting to one another. What if you knew today was the last day? Is that how you talk to each other today? No. No, if you knew today was the last day, you'd talk to each other and you'd say, you know what? We've been wasting our time and now we only got one day. And I'm so sorry that I did that stupid pride thing and wouldn't talk to you and wouldn't commit. Come on, man. Let's get this stuff straight in our lives today. I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. I'm making some decisions. You making some decisions right now? Right now. We're about to leave. We're about to go home. But you're making some decisions right now. I'm going to change this right here. I'm going to change how I'm acting about that. I'm going to change how I'm responding to that person. I'm going to change how I feel about that person. I'm going to go to them if there's division between us. I'm going to my mom and dad. I'm going to my brothers and sisters. I'm going to my grandchildren. I'm going to whoever I need to go to because I don't want stuff left like it is today. But most of all, see, here's what you got to say. Most of all, I'm coming to Jesus today. And I'm not going to put off being the Christian. I always say one day I'm going to be. I commit myself right now to serve Him, to give my life to Him, and to grow in Him. That's my commitment today because I don't even know if i got 30 days. Father, thank You today for Your Holy Spirit in this house. And I know, God, that the sermon I've preached today, it's not the deepest sermon. I know that. But, God, we need a message like this. I need, I, the pastor of this church, I need a message like this. Because as I studied and prepared and prayed about what you would have me to say, you convicted my heart about things in my life that need to change right now. 
I mean, I've asked myself in the preparation, what if I knew, what if I knew I only had 30 days, what would I do, what would I do? And I've written some things down. And I'm going to do those things, God. I'm going to do those things because I don't know how much time I have. Now, Father, we're about to leave and go home. I pray this message will go with us. I pray, Father, that we will make sure over the next month, the Bridge family, that we bring as many people as we can to this service, to these services, because I believe you're coming soon. I believe time is short. It's time for us as a church to do everything we can to get as many people serious about you as we can. So God, challenge our church. But God, those who are visiting with us today, no matter where they are with you, I pray you will go with them and continue to speak to them. As a matter of fact, when I dismiss this service, we're going to have prayer ministers up here to pray for anybody that would like to have more extended prayer. So, Father, we give you this day, we give you this sermon series, and we pray that your will be done in all things. And everybody said, you stay as long as you want to. There are prayer ministers who will pray with you if you hang around. They'll, they'll come up to you and pray with you. We love you guys. Thank you for coming today.